Important brand announcement before we get to this week's episode. Pod Cusack has joined the Mess Around Media Podcast Network. Yes, we are now part of an extended podcast network featuring many excellent podcasts such as Come At Me Show and Annoying at Parties. But the podcast you're about to hear is a thematic part two to a pod that ran on Mess Around Media's political therapy feed political therapy is the podcast hosted by pat wise and tim keck where they cover political news and political history and i was lucky enough to be a guest on their show and we discussed the pat tillman documentary and in general the iraq war so please check that out and please now listen to the thematic part two to that podcast where we talk about john cusack's take on the Iraq War. Get a lap dance from your sexy daughter. It's time for Pod Cusack. It's Pod Cusack, baby. It's Pod Cusack, baby. That's great. It's now I don't even have to edit in the theme song. Cusack, baby. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pod Cusack, the only podcast about and explicitly for Chicago's prince who was promised. That's right. That sexy ivory baby, John Cusack. With me, returning guests, but for the first time as colleagues of mine on Mess Around Media, the best podcast network in Western Brooklyn. Western Brooklyn? Like Eastern, Eastern Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Western, the best <laughs> podcast network in Western Long Island. Yes, Mess Around Media Pods. Guys, with me, the hosts of Political Therapy, Come At Me Show, Nerdy for 30, Annoying at Parties. Uh, the list can go on and on and on. Guys, it's Tim Keck and Pat Wise. Thank you so much for being back on the pod. Good to be here. Thank you so much for having us. I speak for both of us when I say that uh, baseball sucks, and so did this movie. I speak for both of us when I say uh, baseball is incredible and this movie sucks. So, <laughs> For those listening at home, the score of the Baltimore Orioles game is 4-2. to two. They are beating the Yankees by two. We will keep you updated throughout <laughs> uh, this pod. So when you listen to it, Next a, Friday, a week later, this game you will know the score of the game from a week ago. You know ago. exactly when we recorded this. It's the bottom of the sixth right now. All right. <laughs> Guys, we are talking about a movie. I think it's safe to call it a movie. Um, War Inc., the 2008 comedy satire that John Cusack wrote, produced, and starred in. So this is truly a Cusack joint. Uh, and it's sort of his take on the war in Iraq, Bush war on terror, Bush foreign policy writ large. Um, before we get into the movie itself, you guys have both been on the show, so we know your feelings about John Cusack actor. So we could just get right into the movie. Um, let's do the stats, of course. The Cusack number, that's how many Cusacks are in this movie. Guys, a large one this time. Cusack number of this movie is three. There's John, of course. There's Joan pretty prominently featured in the movie and bill cusack makes an appearance whoa yeah the first bill appearance on the pod he is the soldier who delivers john cusack's uh dry cleaning no halfway through the movie. yeah that He's is a cusack that's How bill cusack that? i i thought that actor blended right into the uh the background <laughs> And left no, almost no imprint in my mind. Little did I know it was because he's a Cusack. Joan, a welcome presence in this movie. Uh, Joan, yeah. Not Clearly enough Joan movies point. have we had on the podcast so far. This might be the first one. Um, 
Well, and she's great. I loved her so much in School of Rock, and I think she she's crushed it in this movie. The the Cusacks, I think, minus uh, John, crushed it. I like their yeah, scenes. I, I, all this time you were saying John Cusack, and I think I had no idea. Who, Joan, sorry, you're saying Joan Cusack, and I don't think I had any idea who that was until this movie and i was like oh that's the actress from school of rock better look her up joan this is the joan cusack i didn't know until tim told me this morning blowing john off the screen they also both have a similar i mean i i've been on this podcast a couple of times for two of my favorite movies con air anastasia and then another pleasant surprise which was runaway jury three bangers and a half this movie Way on the other end of the spectrum for me. Yeah. Not nearly as excited about it. But in Anastasia, you know, I, I propose that John Cusack, not a hot guy. Because his voice on a cartoon was instantly way, way hotter. He's got this quality where I'm looking at him and I'm like, this man's attractive. He's not attractive. He's a leading man. No, he's not a leading man. And Joan does the same thing for me where I'm like, something about Joan. I'm like, damn, Joan, I love what you're selling. And then other times I'm like... You know she's all right, and then and then she'll say a line, and I'm just like, "Dang, Joan, I'm I'm vibing on this," and I'm just like back and forth, back the seesaw of the Cusack experience. She's great. Love she's Joan. balls to the wall. She's balls to the wall. She's great in everything. Uh, the box office of War Inc. 1.2 million worldwide, really low considering what I would imagine the budget of this movie is, but 10 million dollars. It only came out in limited release in America. And in that limited release, it had the second highest per screen average of the year after Indiana Jones 4. So in the theaters that it came out in in America, it did really, really well. It was like the second most popular movie. Was this in John's hometown? (laughs) The limited release was just Evanston, Chicago. (laughs) It was his entire family. (laughs) Cusack living room. No, but I guess people, you know, went to see it when it came out, where it came when out. His entire family had to go see it. You get three Cusacks in a movie, you're getting like third cousins out to see this oh, thing. But people did not like this movie. Rotten Tomatoes, 29% from the critics. The People score, which is the one I trust more, a little bit better, 38, but still, as they would say, rotten. So not a popular movie with those even who did see it. Um, and I knew it wasn't going to be good when I looked up where it was streaming and it was streaming like 40 different places for free with commercials. <laughs> so that's never a good sign when it's easily accessible on like to be free and then weird streaming sites. That's just like comedy movies on like the Roku channel and shit. Like that's not this a good counts, sign. Right. <laughs> I, w- I was watching on Peacock and I- it did take me a long time to get through this movie. Multiple pauses. Every time I paused it, it would show the Rotten Tomato score like a <laughs> mocking reminder of what's in store for me when I hit play. It was just a real tease, Peacock. Yeah. I would stop doing that if I was Peacock. Yeah, I don't think we need reminders. We're already in it. Yeah, they should at least only show the positive reviews or quotes or something. Right, break break 50, Peacock, yeah. before, before you're showing these Rotten Tomato scores. It takes place in sort of a fake Middle Eastern country. We open. Oh, I gotta take my belt off. I think that's what's pushing all the gas up towards <laughs> my microphone. You gotta keep this in. Yeah. Keep um, it in. So gas we, rises, baby. <laughs> we open on a Chiron that says, 
In the 21st century, great corporations will bestride the earth, replacing nations as the true creators of history, amassing powerful private armies to do their bidding. In delicate situations, when they need matters adjudicated on a single day by a single man, and then they call in this guy. I knew it was going to be a rough movie because the scroll was so uncomfortable to watch. I've never seen a scroll like this. Like it, it scrolled super fast, but it was one line at a time. Right. It wasn't. It wasn't pleasant. It was just so jar- like somehow they couldn't even get the scroll right for this movie. It was so jarring. I was immediately uncomfortable. And they describe a movie that I don't think we saw. I think it was that that like ideology that they talk about. It's like, oh, this is going to be about the pr- privatization of like the military and the military industrial complex and stuff, which is like, first of all, real, real. But second of all, like not a very edgy take in 2008 you know i feel like comes out in the 80s maybe it's like it's the same thing that like in network there are no nations there are no peoples there are no russians there are no arabs there are no third worlds there is no west there is only one holistic system of systems one vast and immane interwoven interacting multivariate multinational dominion of dollars and that came out in 1975. And it's just like, there is no America. There is no democracy. There is only IBM and ITT and AT&T and DuPont, Dow, Union Carbide and Exxon. You can't pretend that you're this like edgy political satire and then be like, guess what? Like corporations controlling the military. That's a bad idea. But Wait. that's like about as sophisticated as it's like, political satire gets so we open our first scene cusack is in some like snowy arctic eastern canada eastern canada nightclub thing he walks into a bar you know it's snowy he's wearing a goofy outfit uh, old western old western music yeah and it's like okay so he's like the lone gunman you know it's sort of setting up his whole vibe um he's clearly like troubled by some ennui you know, he sits down at the bar. He's clearly disturbed and sad. Takes he, a shot. He of takes hot a sauce. shot of ask, hot sauce. Ask for a shot glass. I don't know if I go to the bar and I ask for a shot glass. Do you think they give it to you? I don't think so. I don't think so. Either. Let's try it tonight and report back. <laughs> yeah. We can add an addendum at the end of this podcast. Just see if we can get just a shot glass. <laughs> I bet you they do it if you had already had a drink. Yeah, but if we like, had, okay we tonight, we're just going to walk into glass. a bar and we're going to ask for a shot glass and nothing else. And just see what happens. See how they All react. Right. We'll let I you know at the end. I'll it. cut it in here. <laughs> it did not work. So he takes a shot of, shot of hot sauce. And it's like that's sort of his fun, quirky character thing as he drinks hot sauce to sort of settle his his troubles and his trauma and PTSD. He has like a really quick flashback. We immediately, you know, realize that he has like some dead wife. Uh, classic hitman with Some a dead, dead wife. wife. Okay. <laughs> when are we going to talk about his trauma? Because I've got a lot of thoughts. All right. Well, we'll get Cue there. me up whenever we'll we're get ready. there. Um, and then he immediately shoots three people at the bar. The rest of the bar doesn't budge. So it's like, oh, we're in a world where like this kind of violence happens often enough that it's Eastern not, Canada. Uh, that's scary. In Even Eastern though he Canada. also shot the whole bar. He, no, shot, he shot three guys. He shot and three left. guys at the other bar. people at the bar who didn't even move a muscle mm-hmm. after that happened. That's true, but yeah. I was. It is. It did. He did shoot a lot of people. That that was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. He takes a picture, so it's like, okay, he's a hitman. He's taking a picture of proof of his kills. Whatever. Burns the phone. Burns Classic. the phone. Uh, we're off uh, to a good start. Then he leaves, and he gets into some sort of AI-controlled plane. The OnStar. Yeah, it's an OnStar. It's an OnStar. Bit. 
And we realize that this is some sort of, we're, we're now in like the dystopian future fully. There's gonna be technology that we don't know. There's all this stuff. And the, the voice of the AI controlled airplane, Montel Williams. No Whoa. way. <laughs> Jeremy? It's, yeah. it's Jeremy, I think, right? So he's flying in this plane, Cusack. He gets a video message from Dan Aykroyd, who's doing his best Dick Cheney, you know, sort of talking out of the side of his mouth kind of thing. He calls him the vice president, you know, through some exposition, we realize he's not the vice president. He was, there was some corruption scandal and now he's just the head of a company, which is clearly an analog for like Halliburton, right? Um, Dan Aykroyd also on the toilet during yeah, this doing video like a, call. Yeah, a nice little Lyndon B. Johnson reference there who used to take meetings on the shitter. Um, and I, that's about as like, that's another thing. It's like, I'm sure in, in the script, they meant for that to be like a very funny joke. And it's just very well, it's flat. Pretty flat. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd gives Cusack a job. It's to go to Tarakistan, which is like a fake Central Asian country that they made up for this movie. And he needs to kill the CEO of a gas company there. Who's trying to build its own pipeline, which would compete with the USA pipeline. And the guy's name who he needs to kill is Omar Sharif, which is, you know, the name of a famous Egyptian actor who right. like, I also like, is that supposed to be a joke? Yeah, because I was like, there is what? someone named Omar Sharif. Yeah, the star of Dr. Zhivago and a lot of great movies. Yeah. Like he's a very famous Egyptian actor. And I guess like, but that's as far as it goes. They're like, isn't it funny that his name is Omar Sharif? And I'm just like, well, that can't that can't be just your joke. You know, like a reference. I'm just confused. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, he's. They're talking about how it's the first war to be outsourced to private enterprise. And he's clearly like doing his take on like Blackwater and Halliburton and all these private companies, you know, were like very prominent during the Iraq war. But this is like one of my big problems with like the, the whole thing of this movie is that private companies like out, you know, war is outsourced to private companies and, co and corporations control the war. And it's like corporations do already do that. And they're. Their army, they don't need a private army. Their army is the United States Army. Like when the corporations want something right. to happen, the corporations own the government and they just make the, like Halliburton didn't need its own private army. The US Army was its private army. And I feel like that was like a flaw in the whole, the take of this movie. The biggest problem with this whole thing is just tone and consistency. Like what yeah. are they trying to do? There is a world in which this is biting satire of like, corporatizing everything there's a Popeyes over there and mapping that on like what is actually the military you know like they're they're saying this is what would happen if corporations ran the military but then it's just what is actually happening with the military but that tone changes throughout sometimes everything's a joke and mm -hmm. other times everything is very serious and there's no consistency with it sometimes John Cusack who is a man who kills people for a living is nonplussed by war and explosions happening right outside his window or outside of his car. And other times he is shaken to his core by like minuscule violence that he witnesses. Mm -hmm. And this is something that happens through all these other characters. And it's like, there's not a trend. It doesn't, it's not an arc. It's not like we see the light side of war and then it ends with like a gritty thing. They, they kind of like show us grit, but then all the rest of it is just inconsistent fluff of all this yeah it's like it's all, almost a satire but there's no consistency throughout the satire i agree i think the biggest problem with the movie is well the script is not great but the tone of the movie is insane sometimes insane. it's like austin powers type spoofery and sometimes it's like trying to be like dr strange black, black and then yeah sometimes <laughs> it's black it's just like it is has no and it makes sense that the guy who directed this movie has directed a couple of documentaries and this is his only 
narrative movie he's made. And it, that makes complete sense because he just, he has, they really needed a director for this movie because it's just, it's all over the place and it's, yeah, it has no consistent tone, which. It, if you're trying to do a satire, right? You're trying to do like a catch 22 thing. You need consistency in the world building. So it's like, we build this world where war is a joke. And then that needs to be what happens the whole time. And maybe there's a character who understands what it really is and they meet another character and that's like the satire of it but when your when your base reality changes from minute to minute i gotta tell you this is not that's not sad it's bad satire yeah i like that you brought up dr strangelove because i thought about dr strangelove a lot watching this and thinking that i know that the people who made this movie were trying to think like how do we do dr strangelove for the iraq war and I think the thing that Doctor Strangelove does is that it's a, it's a parody, but everyone is very serious. Like yes. everyone is very concerned about what's happening and this bomb that's being shot over the uh, over the world. But in this movie, they'll be they're like half concerned, but not even half concerned at some yeah. points. There's a the scene when I don't know if we, we're going to jump ahead to where Marissa Tomei is in his office. And the bombs are going out off outside exactly. of his office. Right. Yeah, and there's people are literally being blown up like thirty feet away, and he doesn't flinch. But Marissa Tomei like reacts pretty intensely. So like even that that dynamic right there, like well, it can't be explained just because he's a guy who's an assassin. He's just used to it. I mean, that would blow his cover. Mm -hmm. Like you have to react to a bomb. It does. You just can't not. Well, let's get to like her introduction. He his cover is he's a trade show producer that's doing this big trade show in uh, Tarakistan. That's like unveiling this big mall and it's going to be bringing capitalism to this Middle Eastern country. After the big show, it's going to end with this wedding of this very popular Central Asian pop star who we'll get to. But so he shows up to sort of be this trade show producer as his cover and he meets his handler who is played by Joan Cusack who's really great but like barely given anything to do but really good with what she does do um, and then he also meets Marissa Tomei who like we said is this very idealistic reporter and her name is Hagelhusen and I think that's also supposed to be a joke it's like what a silly name this woman has can we talk they, about their they trade show they joke about the name and a lot they joke about the name a lot when they first meet her and it's just like and then they these, just sort of these are not it. jokes. It's just like this isn't a joke yeah their know. their trade show cover show cover is insane because their cover is actually running a trade show all <laughs> yeah. Joan does is run the trade show. I think once, I don't think she helped. I think when he gets there, she's like, I'm on your team. Never forget that. But then after that, she is has nothing to do with the assassination attempt. Mm -hmm. John Cusack spends zero time thinking about killing this guy. They are obsessed with the trade show in a world where that should be the last thing they actually care about. I do think more movies should do that, though, where they're the... You know, the FBI undercover agent or something. It's like Miss Congeniality. Can we stop talking about yeah. this movie and just talk about Miss Congeniality? I would that's love a good oh movie. That's a, <laughs> that's a banger and a half. Matt, what do you think Marissa your favorite Tomei. booth at that trade show would have been? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite booth, actually, I wrote it down. My favorite booth was btolerant.com free wristbands. <laughs> being And the signs being hung by the dude that says like, But actually, Fuck. see, see <laughs> that's a good example. It's like free btolerant.com and it's like, it's already like the military... And all and like the establishment is adopting the language of like 
this is like pre-woke, you know? And this is just like some little detail in the background that's like recently the CIA came out with this crazy like woke commercial that's just like, I'm a woman of color. I am a mom. I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. I stand here today a proud first-generation Latina and officer at CIA. The CIA adopting the language of wokeness to continue their worldwide reign of terror. And they tweet on Twitter like, uh, try our uh, our our puzzle. Yeah. Try to figure out our Easter puzzle. It's like... <laughs> While they're murdering people in South America. Yeah, while they're doing coups constantly. But see, like that, so that is like a tiny idea in the background of this movie that's like, oh, if you explored that for five minutes, that's a fun, that could be a funny satirical scene. Like that's tone. If the tone is in the background of this film, you've got jokes, you've got like slapstick humor, basically, then the, the whole thing needs to be that. Well, the next scene is this crazy scene of slapstick that I was like, I was, I almost gasped because he goes into the Popeye's chicken oh, and yeah. he's like, I need to like yes. talk to the Viceroy and the, you know, it ends up, he goes into a secret door in the Popeye's chicken and goes down to like but, talk to his oh. boss. But the way he gets there is yeah. like, I was like, what the fuck is this? He goes up to the guy at the counter and says he orders a specific thing, which the guy immediately knows that means he needs. And then he says, so he says in code. I need to see the voice for it. And then says out loud, I need to see the voice for it. Which is like, you just said that in code. The audience understands you just said that in code. You don't need to do this. And then he's like, don't say that. And then they jump. They start running. Sprinting through the kitchen. Which is exactly the opposite. If you're trying to be low key, you're immediately giving up your position. And the whole thing, they both immediately like, Cusack jumps over the counter and then they sprint and run through the kitchen and knock over stuff. And the whole thing is like, is this like, it seemed like a, a fun joke between these two characters that's like, ooh, let's see who can get to the door the fastest or something. And it was like, I like was the like, the actors were having fun. With this it. is, it was so it, out of nowhere. But maybe, the- maybe there was like on the set, they just made a bunch of decisions like day of whenever they shot it. And so, what, like, for the first week, everyone was feeling really goofy and they shot a bunch of stuff that was all yeah. over the movie. And then they were like, well, let's get serious now. And then, <laughs> so now it's everything's peppered in at like weird spots. See, this is the problem where there's no director of this movie. Yeah. And there, and there's something there if that tone's consistent throughout the movie. Right. So he goes down into the secret bunker and he meets, he talks to a secret guy who's like, Basically talking to him from a video screen, but you can't see his face. Shaped, uh, um, shifting images of like uh, famous American people. Men. Yeah, yeah, Ronald but... Reagan, Donald Trump, Flipper. You <laughs> yeah, know, your yeah. classic. Just like your cowboys. <laughs> Americana. Yeah. Um, but so then we. this is the Viceroy who's going to be like his boss on this mission. He's got like a southern accent, but his voice is obscured. This is where we learn the, the end of the trade show is going to be the wedding of Yannicka Baby Yeah who is called the Britney Spears of Central Asia. So she's going to be like, you know, that kind of pop star. When she shows up, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is George W. Bush administration era art because it's like Hillary Duff. No one's thought about her. It's like such a moment of in time when she was like relevant. See, but this I did some digging on this because Hillary Duff stood out to me distinctly. Right. Lizzie McGuire, 2000 to 2001, I believe. She did a couple movies, 2002, 2003. They only did a year of Lizzie McGuire? I think it was two seasons of Lizzie McGuire. Wow. She only did two seasons? I don't think I that really watched that much Lizzie McGuire. the impact of that show. Yeah. Because it, it was does. huge. That was, I know. think it was very short. My brief Googling was like 2000, 2001. 
2002, wow. 2003. I really just to say that she hadn't done anything since 2003. It's wild. She's That's a wild. kid. Wow. Now she's filming this movie. She's like 1920. This is her I'm a woman role, which right. is like what every childhood star does, right? They're, they have their little kid roles. And then it's like, cool. Now I'm a man. I have to kill somebody in a movie. Now I'm mm. a woman. I have to be naked half the time. It's like this was her chance to shine. Right. And she was doing this. On, on her Wikipedia page, it was like, oh, and she did some uh, some indie movies like War Inc. And uh, I don't know, it just felt it just felt so gross the whole time. Yeah. She looked great, though. She's she's a babe. She's a babe. She, and a half she's a this. babe. It, she did look great. And yeah, it does feel like self-consciously like I'm going to take an adult role now. When she's introduced, she walks in with her fiance, who's the the heir to the throne of this of this Central Asian country. Um, and it's like an arranged marriage. It's like she's this big pop star. He's like the scion of this, you know, ruling family. And they're, you know, she clearly doesn't have a lot of love for this guy. But then they introduce his whole entourage. And Cusack is giving them weird nicknames. And I will say I laughed out loud at the very end. Yes. And I bet you I wouldn't have in 2008 thought this was funny. But I just hadn't thought of this guy because he calls the he's just like, all right. Hey, you know, giving them all little nicknames. And the last guy's like, all right. And after you, Federline. Yeah, that, <laughs> I, that, I did think that was funny. <laughs> Mr. Federline. And I was like, that is funny. I haven't thought about Kevin. It's Federline literally in a long time. the I'm I'm. This is happening, and I'm like, oh, this is literally the marriage of mm -hmm. the West and the Middle East. Yeah. Like, this is they they're like, okay, how do we talk? How do we how do we show the marriage of these two cultures together and solidifying corporatism and capitalism? And oh, well, we'll just have a wedding. It'll just yeah. be a marriage. Yeah. And like, I don't understand what Hillary Duff's characters thing it where is she from what country is she from is there anyone there who well, like has Tim. her best interest at heart no well you know it's like they purposely sort of mystify her past for that big reveal at the end which we will get to no spoilers but it's right, like but she has it's for no that spoilers twist, if you're watching is, the movie right now yeah. <laughs> she has no one she is just some random how'd she become a pop star how did she get famous well clearly she's a you know an asset of the american government and so do you think the government, you think she, wait, so is she American this was, in this? No, but, okay, spoiler alert, it turns out that Hillary Duff is John Cusack's kidnapped daughter. Sure, but you didn't even and need to know. And she was kidnapped basically by the CIA, by to like create a, this as a revenge. Thing for the marriage. So the CIA yeah. built her. For the marriage. In a yes. factory. Yes. So basically. where has she been? Where, where is she from, technically? Because her accent is, everyone in this movie. They probably, he a probably million miles took an hour her. With his accent. He took, they, he, you know. The villain, the viceroy, who no spoilers, we'll get to there. But he stole this girl, and he was just like, "All right," partly out of revenge, and but now he has this girl that he can do whatever he wants with, and he clearly brought her to some Central Asian country, adopted into a family, cultivated her to be make her into this usable asset for the American government. Gotcha. But she doesn't know who this guy is. She doesn't know. She's no. never seen this guy. Just She's somehow she was kidnapped. Somehow she ended up with a family that we never see. We never hear her talk about. Yeah. Uh, somehow she became a pop star. We're assuming she the knows her mother's dead and she doesn't know her father. Exactly. So someone has told her the truth, more or less, mm, about where she's from. Is she just in an truth, orphanage? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, she picks up the accent. And the maybe, but like, yeah. it, I, don't know if, I, I don't know if it's really important. 
But it's important to me. <laughs> as soon as she starts talking, when she gets out of that car, though, I was like, oh boy, yeah, Hillary she... Duff doing a fake accent is not something we need in the well, film. Well, she's like, she's doing a fake accent, but she's also like very sexualized and oversexed, and she's just like constantly doing sexual innuendo. She put a scorpion like, in her pants. That was hot, actually. That was hot. Oh, uh, well, we'll get, let's get there. Okay, so <laughs> we, int- there. It's, we introduce Hillary Duff and Cusack meet, and there's clearly something between them, and and and, and he is like both like intrigued by her but also like sort of disturbed by her and like we revealed just now that he is her long lost daughter and so that's like he there's some weird he says connection. i'm disgusted by her and i don't know why and i thought yeah. that was an interesting line because i'm like what is it that's making you disgusted well about he's this probably woman? aroused and that disgusts well, him exactly on some level yeah, he knows. now he's throwing up he's throwing up all because he doesn't know subconsciously he knows this is his daughter yeah you can tell john wrote this movie because Mar- marissa tomei and hillary duff are both throwing themselves at him i will say time. marissa tomei looks phenomenal marissa tomei so i would good. watch marissa yeah, tomei yeah. Do watch a car anything. naked. I don't know. I'd watch her do anything. <laughs> I'd watch her host a trade show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but I would Hillary watch Duffer her has... have sex with me. I'll watch her do anything. I'd watch her do anything. <laughs> I'd watch her have sex with Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch Pat watch Matt have sex with Marissa Tomei. I mean, she's amazing. She's beautiful. She's so talented. She's amazing. She is another bright spot in this movie. I don't know what the fuck she's talking about the whole time, but she looks great doing it and she sounds amazing. And I think that they didn't need both Marissa Tomei and Hillary Duff. They should have just had Hillary yeah. Duff. I also think you could explore a little bit more of like his him being sexually attracted to her and you could like yeah. really like play that you can line. Go full old boy. That's that's like Shakespearean. That's yeah. beautiful. Marissa Tomei is just a just a hot reporter. Like who, who, she's more than who just a hot reporter. A story. She's a very hot reporter. <laughs> but it's also it's just she wants to report on a story that she never really does. Yeah. And then, well, that's another thing. There's too many. She's not like tracking down one story. She's just there, she's and there, she's like, yeah. "What's around?" Um, but there, let's let's keep moving through the plot. Unless unless this is really say, it, good, Tim. It's not very good. <laughs> It's not very good. As soon as you said that, it's like, okay, cool. We'll get back to the plot of this terrible movie. Well, I want to get to the next scene because the next scene I thought was the crystallization of just like, oh, that's your idea. And if you had blown this idea out, I think that's where this movie could have been something. So they, they're at the um, trade show and they're practicing for the big show. So Hilary Duff has her song where she's like, the song is called I Want to Blow You dot 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 up and it's like, oh, that's funny and stupid and it's not very good. The song but could have been better. before that, they're doing, there's like a dance like a Rockettes style dance where all the oh, dancers yeah. have prosthetics legs that were made by Tamburlaine, which or Tamerlane, which is the, the, the Halliburton company and it's like all, all, the, all these you know, women have been have had their legs blown off, but we've given them new prosthetic legs. And then Cusack has a line where it's just like, just one more example of how America alleviates the suffering it creates. And I was like, oh, that's your thesis right there. That's your movie. America create America alleviates a lot of suffering, but it like creates it all and plus more. And I was like, if that was your idea and you would like that is a great example of that thesis. It's like you have your thesis and then you have this sort of silly scene where you know, this prof- war profiteering company is giving all of these women robot legs. Then you have to like care about the people that are being blown up in the street. Like the idea of like, oh, they're being blown up in the street. And then like two minutes later, a bunch of uh, soldiers hop over and give them all like gift cards to Popeye's. Yeah. And so they're like, and they're like, thank you, thank you. And yeah. Like when you walk in, you see like the, and they, they open the scene of him entering and you see, thank you, America. And you're like, you're like, okay, I get what they're, they're trying to say, like, pretend that, 
to give this this facade of like they're happy that we're here, yeah. which is a big of this thesis about like you know they're happy that the U.S. military is there helping. I mean, them that's out. what George W. Bush thought, right. right? They treat us like liberators. Right, when we went in, and that's a big selling point for the war. And if you can lean into that stuff too, we don't see a lot of civilian or like non-terrorist ish mm-hmm. or centric players that are in the streets which i think that could have been an also interesting thing to to play with also in that scene marissa tomei just like gets really hot and that is supposed to be like the idea that she's, she's hot really she's really <laughs> uncomfortable no she she has like a hot flash You're right like, she has yeah. she's the the sight of these prosthetics makes her pieces. hot Makes her so. Makes her I feel sick. like she could have just sat she's, there and had an emotional reaction, and yeah. we don't need her to be like, take her jacket off because she's so hot. I'm like I get that she's uncomfortable. Like I'm not stupid. Mm-hmm. I can see that happening. America alleviating the suffering it creates. I feel like that should have been the thesis of the movie throughout, and it just like goes man, all if they'd over the stuck place. to any theme, it That's would have true. been a better movie. That's but true. you're right. You're 100 percent right. Oh, yeah. The other theme is is we're doing this purely for creating more opportunity for wealth mm-hmm. and that's a different thing than alleviating the suffering you create yes because you can enter someplace and spread corporatism but spreading corporatism in the middle east requires this sort of stuff because the systems that are in place and the religious specifically the religious systems that are in place are very anti-western and they don't explore that at all mm-hmm. so they're just like oh we need to go in and and with tanks and put a popeyes in which is not exactly how it works. So I think that you're, yeah. Yeah, again. Pat Pat wanted uh, John's take on religion, if we could have gotten more of that. Gotten well, more they, they did all their world building in the wrong places. <laughs> and then the next scene uh, is the scene with Bill Cusack where a soldier dro- drops off his dry cleaning to his Humvee in like the middle of a firefight. And that's clearly supposed to be like a funny joke. It's just like in the middle of this firefight, he's, deliver- he's doing like these errands. Um, and that sort of falls flat. I like the idea of I like the scene because the soldier takes a bunch Bill of Cusack. like he takes like some sort of supplement or some sort of something he eats something and makes yeah. him go nuts. Coffee. And I, and I thought that was interesting. It was interesting to see like you know that's another level of war, which is like these guys are all hyped up on supplements and energy and like all sorts of like crazy shit that's making them go insane because when they go into war, they want to be like you know, on, they're taking Joe Rogan, like <laughs> whatever it's called, electro Joe Rogan power pills, dragon pills, DMT, and just going and he's nuts. slamming his head against the, the yeah. window. And I actually thought that was pretty funny. It was like, I'm, I'm going to need your ticket. I'm going to need your ticket. <laughs> I uh, did think it was funny that he asked. He needed the dry cleaning ticket, the ticket back. <laughs> yeah. On one of these da- on one of these coffee dates, actually, it might have been a drink date where he's talking to Marissa Tomei. I think it's their first like drink date. She sits down, he orders his drink, and he goes, vodka vodka twist or something like that? What is it? Vodka twist? How's that for a guess? And she goes, okay. And that was like the one time I left. I was like, that's a great That bit. is funny. And it's, it's something else where he, where he does like the traditional charming, let me guess your drink. And her reaction is just, I have no reaction to that. Yeah, I don't that is care good. about this. Then Cusack drives Marissa Tomei home. They have a quiet moment. They do a little smooching. Um, Cusack goes to meet Hillary Duff at her hotel room. Because she's now refusing to do the trade show. So he brings her some gifts, a little mea culpa. He pokes his head into her room and sees her playing acoustic guitar alone in her room and singing like a ballad that's unlike these oversexed pop songs she sings. And it's like, oh, she has depth. 
She's a real And I will person. say that that Let song the that rain she's fall down. is terrible. <laughs> it's so bad. It is bad. It's bad. I was uh, like, all the songs are bad. Because even that song that's supposed awful. to be funny, it's like, I will blow you up. That's like the worst, laziest fucking pun. That is their first draft. It's, it wasn't even like. And the songs could be like fun and funny. I mean, a lot of really, really good comedies come out with pair, like not real songs and a lot of what makes a good comedy great is that song lasts beyond the comedy. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of Scotty Doesn't Know. Yeah. Is a perfect example. Like that song is even better than the movie. Scotty doesn't know that Fiona and me doing in my van every Sunday. She tells him she's in church, but she doesn't go. Still she's on her knees and Scotty doesn't know. Oh, Scotty doesn't know. The Russell Brand songs oh, yeah. from forgetting sarah marshall so, are so yeah. funny we gotta do something we gotta do something before mother earth gets any more hurt we gotta do something if you're gonna do music stuff in a movie take the time to write a good song yeah that's gonna get be an earworm you know yeah Not, i want to blow you up it's just it was the laziest fucking most annoying thing i think this is one of maybe my second laugh where he's like something do you know your parents and she's like oh both my parents are gone or both my, my parents are dead and he's like oh i'm sorry and she's like why it's not like you killed them and for a second he pauses and thinks and goes probably not <laughs> and i'm like that's another good that's, that's another good, good joke line, yeah. in that is a good joke that's a good there's a there's a version of this movie that's fucking hilarious and biting there's yeah this this movie there is talent here and it's just it's like more aggravating than just a bad movie because there's so many blown opportunities yeah. and like waste of Joan Cusack, whatever. Um, they have a quiet talk in the hotel room. They get to know each other a little bit. It's one of many quiet talks. It has that good joke. He feeds her Popeyes in a yeah. very inappropriate way. Yeah, gross. Her fiance comes in drunk and angry, but passes out. So nothing bad happens. Um, Marissa Tomei. Here's like a big plot thing. Marissa Tomei gets a hold of she like hooks up with these like filmmaker guys who are in this country and she gets a hold of the pre-release dvd cover of the marriage sex tape of hillary duff and her fiance so clearly they are planning to record their you know their what's wedding night and release it as like a you know a, a sex tape and i feel like this was 2008 i feel like this was the peak of like a- Paris Hilton. Uh, Paris Hilton was like what 2003 maybe but then like it must have been Kim Kardashian must have been right around it's this still tape was like, a thing. Tape, I feel like that sort of died out now they're just like everyone forgets like oh remember when Draymond Green posted his dick on the internet and it's like it's happened so much now that like sex tapes are different though than just posting yeah. well now there's leaks You're right. but there used to be like a whole filmed thing right. where you could go into a place get a DVD of of Kim Kardashian hooking up with somebody. Mm-hmm. Hooking up with Ray J. Yeah. And I think this Brandy's is even near cousin. the end of that, right? Yeah. Like that was all, that was all like right after 9-11 when we needed it the most. Marissa Tomei gets the sex tape, then breaks the story. It causes a lot of drama across the globe. Obviously the religious guys are freaking out. And then uh, Hillary Duff didn't know it was going to happen. So she's freaking out. The fiance is like upset. The wedding's getting called off. It's causing a lot of like, you know, geopolitical drama. And then Cusack as sort of the fixer, he's like deciding that, you know, it was your friend. Cause the fiance is basically the guy who was like putting these guys up to making this. 
Um, and, and Cusack says, we're going to pin it on your friend, blame him for the whole thing. And, you know, we're going to drown him in pig Drown juices. him in, in sheep shit, sheep shit um, which yeah. is the traditional punishment. And so, like, that's sort of in motion. Then we get another flashback, and it's the big shootout between Cusack and Ben Kingsley, where, you know, Cusack's trying to leave the agency because he's fallen in love and he wants to have a, a wife and a kid and leave the CIA. Cusack, and Kingsley's like, no, you can't. And they have a big shootout. Uh, it ends up, it's like pretty poorly staged, I think, as far as action scenes go. Uh, but it ends up with Kingsley in the back of a trash truck left for dead. I wonder if he's dead. Uh <laughs> No way to find out. No Weird that out. the uh, as, uh, you know professional assassin John Cusack can't fucking figure out if he actually killed the guy or not. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you I mean the hero never can because you always you got to have the villain come back. Yeah, I guess. that's just that's movie rules. That's not you yeah. know. Doesn't Ben um, Kingsley get the drop on him by like kissing him too? Yeah, he licks his ear. He licks his ear. <laughs> that's sort of funny. I did kind of like that. Yeah, I'm not Ben Kingsley's lie. always great. Ben Kingsley might have been my favorite part of this. This accent's rough. This accent like. is. This accent, the accents in this movie real are real bad. I mean, real. all the accents. I thought Ben Kingsley had. He was clearly in his own movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I thought I would have really wanted to watch whatever that movie was because he's doing. He's going full like Austin Powers sort of yeah. spoof. And that was like, well, we'll get there because that's the hardest I laughed in the movie was his stuff at the end. But Marissa Tomei and Hilary Duff are going to have this interview. It's another quiet little conversation. Uh, I just wrote down, I think John Wick does the dead wife of a hitman flashback so much better. It hints but doesn't beleaguer the point. And I feel like that's, that's you know, that's where I stand. Can we talk about his is the dead wife thing? I don't want to. This but. was... I, <laughs> Well, I didn't want to talk about this podcast at all, Matt, but you made us watch this shit. So guess what? Yeah, you owe us. I, this is this was hard. Hillary oh, Hillary Duff is his daughter. She is 18, 19, 20 years old Some, in this, right? Yeah. He John Cusack is dealing with the trauma of his dead wife and his lost daughter by drinking hot hot sauce, like shot glasses full of hot sauce. He his hand shakes so violently that he crushes the cobra venom in his hand and he's unable to complete the assassination attempt. This event happened at least 15 years ago. At least 15 years ago. And I'm not, I'm sure if any, anybody... So you're saying there should be a timeline on dealing with trauma? Too? If you that's lose that's a loved it. one, there Jesus, is a lot of trauma, but it's it would be very reasonable for him to be remarried by this time. He's also an assassin who is surrounded by death and takes lives for a living. And he is so... And he's just... Like he just can't comprehend the fact. Just I, I, I don't. I buy the fact that he would still be in mourning, but the idea that it is a active detriment to his like daily existence on like a physical level, he physically shakes because of something that happened 15 years ago. Is it's crazy? Are you I, telling him to I, man up? I'm I, telling him to nut the fuck up. I mean, and Tim, get on. come on. It's I, not. You don't think it's weird? How many? Like what? Are they going to film this 30 years from now and he's still going to be some, shaking? Some and people never fire got themselves? over Vietnam. You know, he's clearly surrounded by death. It's it's probably very traumatizing to kill people constantly. He still works for this government that he tried to leave. You know. In that scene with Ben Kingsley, he tries to leave the government because he's like, I, I thought I was going to be killing the bad guys. And I, you know, I'm only killing like innocent people in Guatemala and Colombia, you know. So he's like clearly 
troubled morally by everything he's doing. Which is another plus, plot point they try to... The I mean, CIA doing all this stuff is another thing they try to tackle. And yeah, it's like, it's you don't more. have enough time for this. Don't even yeah. start. Just name another movie where the trauma happened 15 years ago. So many. Like 20 Tim, years come ago. On. Really? What are you talking about? John Wick, same day. His wife's killed. He's out there murdering other people. So you're saying every other action movie, you're saying they kill the wife. Will Hunting should it. man up because he was abused as a child, and he's like, "Get the fuck over it, Will. You're a janitor. Do your job." Yeah, but he doesn't get the shakes so bad that he can't hold his mob. No, he just p- gets into brawls at bars constantly. That makes sense. That's that's compelling. the manifestation of his trauma. People manifest trauma in different ways. This is Tim. violent shakes and chugging hot sauce. That's it's, it's PTSD. Dumb. Clearly, it's has dumb. PTSD, and he's never gotten his only therapy is a a. AI playing with Montel Williams' voice. Trauma, like one month, and then like, I've never over gotten it. over Hurricane Sandy. You know, that was that was more recently than this guy's <laughs> than this guy's family died. Okay, so uh, the flashbacks we all agree bad. Uh, <laughs> then the fiance's friend, who they were trying to frame for the sex tape and get him to you know be murdered by drowning in pig shit, he comes into where they're shooting the interview with a big gang. And this is actually the only action scene that I thought was good. As listeners of this podcast know, Cusack is a like world-class kickboxer. He started kickboxing during the filming of Say Anything and is like trained with like the best people all over the world. So he actually can in real life kick ass. And I think this scene, these guys come in and he just like kills them all, you know, in increasingly violent ways. And I thought this was the only action scene I thought that was staged like reasonably well. It would have been better with a real director, but I thought it was pretty good. The bottle opener to the head, very cool. Yeah, kill. very really good kill. cool. Very and nice. uh, you know, Tomei and Duff walk in right you know, as he's going to using kill the him. gun too. While we're talking choreography, using the gun to like using punch the, the handgun as a blocking tool to to block the punches. Very cool. I don't think I've seen that before. Yeah, very neat. Yeah, there was some cool stuff. This was the scene I was like, oh fuck! But it was also the kind of action scene that in a real action movie this would be like coming at the twenty minute mark. You know, because it's small, it's a couple guys, happens real fast, and it's like, you know, like this would be the opening scene of a John Wick movie. (laughs) Right. This is just like a pace. This is a pacekeeper. Yeah. In another action movie, and this is the climax of this one. Yeah. But is this an action movie? Well, no, it's supposed to be a comedy. Is this a movie? I know. That's the thing. It's like, it's so many different things. And it's like, again, okay, we get this action scene. It's actually a decent action scene. Then you're like, okay, maybe this should have been an action movie. And you right. get this other scene. It's like, okay, maybe this should have been about this relationship with him and Hillary Duff. Okay, maybe this should have been about the actual war. And things well, like. But he, it never does any of those things. He's trying so hard to recapture the beautifully balanced Gross Point Blank. Because Gross Point Blank is a comedy, but it's really, it's a comedy. It's sort of a rom-com and action movie. But it's not. It doesn't deal with like real politics or anything. Yeah. It's just like he's but, a hitman. He's going to his high school reunion. That's a funny idea. He's trying to reconnect with his high school girlfriend, and also he's a hitman. And it's just like those two ideas and the juxtaposition of those two things. Yeah. If you throw in you everyone's, humor. you know, yeah. everyone's pissed about the war in Vietnam, yeah. and then they also yeah. go to Vietnam, yeah. and also were there in Vietnam for half the movie, and you're like, okay, this movie doesn't make any sense anymore. <laughs> but the yeah. action, the action comedy rom com is like a very common movie trope. Sure. We get that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like half the Marvel movies are that. Right. You know, that is something that's very easy to do. And this is just not, you can't yeah. even nail that. Yeah. It's just, well, it's it's too much. Um, so. Yankees but, won. Pat turned the game off. Yankees won, guys. So when you hear this, last week, the Yankees won. Um, 
So Marissa Tomei and Hilary Duff, they witness uh, him killing. They're really, really disturbed and they flee. Uh, but Tomei gets captured by sort of an ISIS group and they're holding her for ransom. They send a video and they're threatening to cut off her head. Um, Cusack has to go to the no-go zone to save her. Uh, he... If, if, she wait. says, like, I'm exactly where I wanted to be, which is she said she wanted to go there. Right. And he was like, you can't go to Falu or whatever. It's which supposed is like, to be like their analog of Fallujah, basically. Fallujah, yeah. And he's like, oh, you can't go there. It's too dangerous. She's like, I'm exactly where I want to be. And he's like, I know where she is. Drives there. Just drives there in the Humvee. Just drives there. Just takes a Humvee and just drives there. Just <laughs> yeah. very cool. So he goes not, there to wait, save Not to her. backtrack, but yeah. if you guys watch somebody you kind of know, like a, a close friend... And they are attacked by a bunch of bad guys and they kill the bad guys. Are you mad at them? Are you like, I have to get away from this person? Uh, well, I just... I think in this the is context of this war zone, maybe I'd be disturbed. If it's like, I've known you for um, three weeks, maybe less. And then I see this, maybe I'd be slightly disturbed because how can you trust this person? But I think if I walked into a room and you were surrounded by dead bodies, Tim, that you had clearly just killed, I'd be like, oh, my God, are you OK? Who are these guys? And are recognized as bad guys because they're from, well, they're from that, they're her fiance's clique, right. right? Sure. So they're goons who attacked him and they had guns and they clearly shot guns. And this guy defended himself in a way that killed and incapacitated these guys. And their reaction is to flee. And she's well. They they're saw women, her. Tim. They're they're gentle. I know they're souls. only sex objects, but come on, we need them for something. It is that was the other, that was a, that was test. the earlier comment that that you cut me off on was I was like yeah we should get one of these because both of these women in this movie their whole job is just to be hot. That's the only reason they're both in this. I mean, Marissa Tomei is used as a bargaining chip just for her pure attractiveness multiple times throughout this movie. Yeah, and I the guess same way Hillary Duff is. Well, they're definitely not, they're not characters. They're at most supposed to be sex objects or like Marissa Tomei is supposed to represent the idealistic liberal viewpoint, right? And, uh, you know, Hilary Duff is supposed to just be this like satire of pop stardom or whatever. So they're like, so they're supposed to be ideas more than they are characters, yeah. which is misogynistic. Matt, you think this pot will be a two-parter? Um, okay, so well, we're getting towards the end. We can move along. Cusack lures the oil guy on the pretense that the oil guy is going to get to bone down with Marissa Tomei to a hotel room. Cusack's about to kill him, but has a change of heart. Then the oil guy gives Cusack information about where Ben Kingsley is. Why, how the, why and how the oil guy would know this, who knows? But then Cusack goes back to that underground bunker, breaks down like the one-way uh, one mirror sort of thing, and he finds Kingsley there in a wheelchair, and he is like, he has survived their encounter, and he has been behind this whole thing. We get a really big exposition dump. This is where we learn that Hilary Duff was actually his daughter. Ben Kingsley murdered his wife, stole his daughter. It's sort of a plot twist we didn't need. Um... And we just get Ben Kingsley fucking going for it, like I said. And he's just like in a completely different movie. And it's I was like, I don't know. This is maybe the energy I needed the whole time. Um, and this is where I laugh the hardest is they get into a fight. And Kingsley just goes, ah, and like starts zooming towards him <laughs> in his wheelchair. And he just, and he just casually aside. steps aside. Yeah. And I, I actually legit laughed out loud like, where are you where are you <laughs> it's the most austin powers part of it <laughs> yeah for sure it's and it but that 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 worked for me because austin I was like, powers to the iraq war is what this needed to be and it wasn't it really yeah. could 100%. have been and but that's because 
Cusack, he's not like a slapsticky guy. You know, he's too serious and wry and sarcastic. You just needed to recast his character with Mike Myers. Just make this an Austin Powers movie legit and just be like Austin Powers. Right. And have Mr. Tomei being like, why am I so attracted to this <laughs> man? I can't <laughs> stop it. She like She's pulling her clothes off when he's just like around. Yeah. <laughs> Cusack stops the wedding uh, that, you know, King- Kingsley has sort of arranged um well he's being broadcast so everybody stops and was like oh, yeah. oh my gosh and then cusack runs up to the wedding they face off against some uf uh, u.s troops they like shoot they clear the air kingsley calls in a surgical strike to destroy the expo building and then like the third time i laughed in this movie <laughs> the third time i laughed is they call him the surgical strike we've got the best and the brightest on it yeah. and they cut to a room with a guy and he like gets the signal and he goes he just shrugs and then pushes yeah. the button like so lackadaisical. And then and then after that, he's just like, oh, well, you know, it's great. Yeah. That missile is also so Dr. Missile, Strange love. Yeah, yeah, the missile, a missile fires and it like fucks up midair and just immediately crashes into the Popeye's chicken and incinerates Ben Kingsley and all his guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that was that's funny. See that that whole little thing, I think that's. That's the movie I. That's Doctor Strange love. Yeah. That's like the idea is like we have these weapons, we build these weapons, but we are too stupid to yeah. use them. Yes, we don't get them right. So when we say like, oh, we have the best stuff, the surgical strikes, we could. He says the line, uh, we could light a matchstick in Illinois and put it up a, a termite's ass, ass and cobble, and right before getting lit right up. before getting lit yeah. up. Like that's, that's really funny. good. That's yeah. really funny, uh, and. So the entire military shows up at this wedding. They have their guns. Hillary Duff says, give me, she takes the Uzi and just shoots it in the sky. That <laughs> freaks out everybody. Yeah. And then the, the rush of people out of the room just like, just like stops all the military from doing anything. The military just leaves then. Yeah, they just leave. And then they there's like 30 guys with M16s who then are just, overrun by a crowd that's trying to run that way to be fair pat if we if you know what we know from the pat tillman incident on the part one of this part a podcast uh, is that the the military will get spooked really easily and just start shooting or running at anything <laughs> right because they're all on those pills they're yeah. like those they're freaking out they want they want to shoot something yeah and it leads to the reason why hillary and duff and marissa Tomei are both in this movie the three of them standing on stage Holding guns, being this cute little family. This is their glamour shot. Marissa Tomei Marissa even Tomei, looking like she's yeah. in an Austin Powers movie. She like, did. Yes. Hands on hip. Yeah. Shot yeah. And it's a fast clip, too. I went back and like rewound it because I'm like, this is like a shot. Right. Yeah. Is like she just poses with the gun. It's all. It's very hot. They must have sold it to some people as an Austin Powers comedy. Yeah. 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 It must have been. Um, okay, so then they escape the wedding. They somehow make it to the wedding jet that was supposed to take Hillary Duff on her honeymoon. Cusack, Tomei, and uh, Duff, they fly out into the sunset. With the OnStar. With the OnStar. They're all happy. Whole family's And then the last shot is a missile coming up behind the plane as like the plane is a, presumably about to be shot down. And then the last scene is uh, Dan Aykroyd announcing that they're going to invade the neighboring country, the oil person's country. So it's like the dark, that is like sort of the dark Dr. Strangelove ending of like, oh, nothing good is happening. The, the bad guys are just going to keep winning and the march of capitalism will go yeah, on. Everything we just watched is irrelevant. 
yeah. to the ultimate outcome of this. And that's yeah. why you stand up and clap because you were always going to get ours, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. USA. 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 Um, yeah, so that, and that is War Inc. Um, wow, it flew by. Wow, it flew by. Before we get into some segments, because, you know, baby, this podcast is not over. We got a lot more. Hell we got to yeah. talk about Cool Sack, thing of the week. Uh, and cool it's sack. basically John Cusack, as listeners of the podcast know, he has pretty fantastic politics. We love him for that. And every week we try to showcase something that he cares about, that we care about. And basically, I don't know if you guys have been up on the news. By the time this comes out, I'm sure tons more horrible would have happened. But uh, Israel is, the IDF is bombing the shit out of Gaza right now. I think they entered Gaza. They entered on ground and air. Um, And, you know, Israeli citizens are just attacking Arab-owned businesses all across Israel. The Israeli army and the Israeli police are doing some like truly horrible stuff. So, and Cusack has been very vocal speaking out about it on Twitter. And so I just want to showcase a couple of organizations. If you want to donate time or money, um, you can go to www.islamreliefcanada.org and they are getting money for Palestinian relief, uh, also to get Palestinians vaccinated, which is, you know, has not happened nearly at the rate it needs to. You can also go. um, It's crazy. They also need to worry about COVID. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's like it's 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 tough living in like an open air prison in Gaza. But you can also uh, donate to the movement to safeguard Palestinian communities. That's uh, like a global giving dot org project and uh, donate anything you can to help stop the miserable <laughs> I do think there Gaza. is the one thing about this movie that I was really upset about and offended about is the way they characterize the Middle East. They do make them like They do make a lot cartoons. of jokes at the expense of like the lamb's feces and like things like that where I'm like you don't need to do this. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't necessary. With no plot. redemptive quality. No. There's no redemption like, these there. People, there's no these other... characters aren't real. They don't have feelings. They don't have like he, he you know, there's that shot of the Apache helicopter like shooting down a bunch of civilians. And that's like the closest we get to like feeling something for these people. It's 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 ironic too considering that like Clearly, Cusack's politics and the politics of this movie, are, you would think would be very sympathetic to the people of these countries and are like what the U.S. is doing is bad. And yet it's just every all of the characters are caricatures of like their cartoons. And it's almost like, OK, Cusack, are you would you be more cool if this wasn't a private military? Is that the idea? Like yeah. if it was just the U.S. military, are you cool with that? But like, no, it's it's still bad. I mean, I Even don't know how much. How much better would this be if all of the uh, whatever native country they're in, whatever country they're in, all the people who were from there were very grounded and real, and mm-hmm. then all of the Americans were absurd? Like right that away, it's great. a great movie. That would be great. Again, those are IslamReliefCanada.org or GlobalGiving.org, and it, uh, donate to the movement to safeguard Palestinian communities. And that this movie, was the cool sack thing of the week. This movie's free online. You got it. Yeah, it's free online. If you listen, this podcast is free online. Pay what you would have paid to go see this in the theaters. All right, let's get into some segments. This is the first segment uh, I like to call Q-Snack. This is where, you know, we just take think. Q-Sack in this movie. What do you think? Snack? Oh, I hated him in this movie. 
talked about him earlier. I don't think he's he's a snack. He's a snack the way like I don't know celery's a snack where it's like I guess in a pinch. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes if there's if, there, if there's I really butter, need it, I guess we could eat this for sustenance. If you've got hummus, I would take anything hummus, else. Yeah. But I'm burning cal. I'm burning more calories yeah. than I consume. Like yeah. that's John Cusack to me. Um, so uh, next segment is this one of the ten movies he likes? He says, "Quoted: I've made ten good films. I'm sure you know which ones they are. The ones that suck. I tend to blank out. It's like I've never made them. So far, I think out of the ten, we have three slots booked. We think he likes being John Malkovich." Stand by me, and maps to the stars. Yeah. Do we think this is on that list as one of the ten? I mean, he wrote it. I think. But do you he, think he thinks like it turned out bad or something? I think he thinks this is, but because it flopped, it can't be. It's not on his list. You don't think it's on his list? No, I don't think this is. On I his think list. halfway through, he realized this movie sucked, and then the he starts to check out mm-hmm. uh, in the movie. Yeah. I think that he tried really hard coming in and then like as they were filming he was like, "Oh, this isn't going to work." <laughs> yeah. But then he was like, "All right, let's finish it. Let's get it done. Put it out. And let's do a limited release because I don't want anyone to see this." Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is my fourth Cusack movie from for this pod, and this is by far the weakest performance I've seen yeah. in any of these. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it's not on his list. I think especially because he wrote it because he probably wrote it with such a clear idea in mind. And then this is what came of it. And he was like, oh, no, that's not what I I wanted. That's not what I envisioned. Yeah. Um, All right. Next segment is called Tales from the Trivia Page. This piece of trivia goes exactly to what we were talking about before, how all of the like Middle Eastern characters are fucking jokes because the trivia is the, the character names of um, Hillary Duff's fiance and Hillary Duff's fiance's father are Ukmi Fay and Ukyu Fay, which oh, f- are pig Latin for fuck me and fuck you. Jesus Christ. Which just seems, I mean, what the fuck is that yeah, shit? I don't know. Like, that's not a joke, number one. It's like, it's pretty offensive to just be like, we're, we're lampooning an entire region as like, but then it's got to be Austin Powers. It's yeah, got to be. That's a joke. Yeah, this in is Austin a lot Powers. of. But right. not even as funny like, as like a lot of. A fuck me, fuck you. Yeah, that's like a. But yeah. you've got to. It's got to be the whole thing's got to be slapstick. You yeah. can't then just shoot a bunch of civilians and then and then have these like have slow to be sad about conversations. About yeah. It. yeah, and it can't be just the people of color with funny names. Yes, right. Like we I got Hazelhoff and whatever. That's the craziest name and yeah. baby. Yeah, but she's also supposed to be of that. But also, world. that's only mentioned once. And then they like don't talk talk about it again. It's stupid. Her name should have been a lot of vagina. That would have made this a better movie. <laughs> um, all right, uh, the, another like piece of trivia: uh, Joan Cusack. This is he first became he. This is based on Naomi Klein's article, Baghdad Year Zero, her 2004 article, which I've read. It is good, uh, and this movie is not. But I thought that was like it's interesting to just like constantly trying to get into the psyche of the cues you know and it's like yeah. oh he's clearly like constantly reading independent journalism and like trying to like bring that into his heart which is an admirable trait if but the, the execution if you wrote a piece that was like some of your best work and then a movie of this caliber came out about it are you excited are you are you honored would you guys feel honored if somebody made like a big pile of crap and it was I like, do, yo, this inspired me. I do feel like interesting that there are like, unlike maybe Vietnam, and I guess there are some Vietnam movies like this, but 
the Iraq movies of the Iraq War and like they're the Gulf terrible. War, they're all bad, but they're all like trying to be funny. Like Men Who Stare at Goats. I guess that one was fine. Southland Tales. Yeah. It's but like it's always this idea. Uh, there's that movie. Oh, there was another one about the Afghanistan, how they kept switching out the leadership. I forget. I remember the. Oh, name the Brad was. Pitt movie? Yeah. War, War Zone or something. Yeah. Where he basically plays Stanley McChrystal. Yeah. I, yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't watch that. And it's all. It all well. There's two versions, right? There's like the slapsticky parodies, like "War is a Joke," or there's like the right wing propaganda, like "American Sniper," or like what's the the Osama Zero Dark Thirty, like "Torture is right. Good." You know, it's like yeah. it's either yeah. like Austin Powers wannabes or like the USA is perfect, terrorists are monsters, and we need to kill everyone and torture everyone, and sniper shooting children are good. Or it's Hurt Locker, where it's just one guy doing one thing. Yeah. And that's the whole movie. Yeah. And I don't know. I just like, I feel like we're still processing what this war and what these occupations have meant. And so no one has been able to really capture it in art. And so it's always been this like throwing stuff at the wall to see like which part we want to focus on because our occupation in the Middle East is such a mess. And we're there for so many different reasons. And we're still there and still dealing with this stuff for so many different reasons. Just like with Israel and Palestine, how like what's happening right now is a product of a bunch of different stuff that's going on, including how the government is, you know, still trying to form a coalition and like needs to, uh, you know, build up support for their for their government. Whereas I feel like old war movies were like, there's a simpler story there. There's but, also, those were also like nobler wars, right? Well, not Vietnam. Not Vietnam. Not Vietnam, but wasn't that, there was even to stop, stop like communism, right? Like they're selling us on that. Well, what was Vietnam about? I don't know. Why did we go to Vietnam? You're right. That was we about, but yeah. Vietnam, I feel it like it's like, always, the Vietnam view is always the hell of war. That's like the one side right. of the movie. War is a nightmare. It was like the last like ground, like real ground war. We've got troops like, guerrilla warfare like on the ground doing all this shit yeah but all the yeah but and all felt the movies like about we were there to like stop that. a bad guy no no we were there to prevent no, we were there to, to, to prevent to check china of to check china but also just to keep you know keep capitalism going and and to also secure the south china sea for yeah, our for ships business. I, but for no business. like the vietnam war Viet- was not a good war i i'm not saying <laughs> you're not gonna hear an argument from me that any war was a good war but don't you think people look at treat Vietnam differently than we treat Iraq now? I think we do, but partly because Vietnam was so contested in the time. You know, there's a reason why like Vietnam War movies are shown like war is hell because at the time it was so deeply unpopular and like the Iraq War was deeply unpopular, and, like, but not nearly as much as Vietnam where there was like, you know, protests had a draft. years and years. They like draft we had a Iraq. draft. Like LBJ didn't run again for a second term because the Vietnam War was so deeply unpopular. You know what I mean? Like he was just like, fuck it, I'm out. Like the Vietnam War was, it was all encompassing in culture. It touched like so much of daily life. It was on TV every day. The Iraq war, it was like after, you know, 2004, five, it was just really easy to pretend it wasn't happening here. We could just be like, "Eh, it's not, you know, there's no draft. 
people aren't being forced to go. We don't have a ton of people there. Not a ton of people. We don't, you know, we, it's just, if any, don't and if anybody gets upset, it. you just show pictures of 9-11. And exactly. then everyone's like, okay, well, I guess, sure. Yeah. Even after they, we know that we're not there for that reason. They can keep saying, well, there's these, these sects that are in, involved in, which I think there's something also you could have, you could have talked about there where there's like these pseudo governments mm -hmm. too that actually run the show in these countries and it's not you're not actually dealing with oil magnates all the time right. you're dealing with these pseudo extremist governments that have so much power that you're concerned about getting power when you leave and leaving a vacuum there that's another piece they don't even touch that at all mm -hmm. uh i mean yeah. man i think you're right with like the vietnam angle is if you watch a vietnam movie it's it's either war as hell or it is should we be in Vietnam? It's a protest movie. It's like they just did like the Chicago 7 movie. Mm -hmm. They just came out on Netflix. I thought it was pretty good. I don't think I'm... I think I might be a low... <laughs> I liked it. It was pretty lonely on that. But I thought it was great. But that's about, you know, whether or not we should even be in Vietnam. I Then when we talk about the war in the Middle East, it's like the, the angle is like we shouldn't be there. This is a corporate war. There's a war machine. It's all about the machine and capitalism. Like this... Like all the themes that we're trying to touch on this is just the themes of this war is like we probably shouldn't be there. We're there just for oil. It's like a set like that's we're that's forcing our Western sort of extreme culture of this sexualized little girl. It's it's not as compelling as listen, there is a man committing evil atrocities there. We need to get it. And if you watch these like war the war movies, like the specific ones, it's like there is an evil they all all of the like all the war movies now are like whatever lone survivor zero dark 30 there's one guy on our hit list and this man has as atrocities have been committed by this one guy and all these movies are, are like focused on trying to get one villain that they've built that's up the propaganda heads. though that's the idea exactly, that's yeah. what that's what the u.s military does is they pick a guy you know it was saddam hussein or it's osama bin laden or it's whoever they want and they're like we have to go get this guy and this guy is the guy this is why we need to invade this entire country and put a bunch of Popeyes into this country. And it's also, it's not Popeyes, it's McDonald's. I don't know why they do Popeyes. It's because mm -hmm. it's, it's- They probably got they the get. licensing. They yeah. probably got a little extra- Because it's cow cash. meat. They want burgers. It's burgers. Yeah. That's, chicken is, I don't know if they give a shit about chicken, but you know who's got a bunch of uh, chains over in the Middle East? Shake Shack. Ooh. They oh, fucking yeah, love Shake Shack over there. Well, they do have some pretty good burgers. Had a Shack Stack recently. I always thought Five Guys was a little better than Shake Shack. Five Guys is definitely better, but the Shack Stack is yeah. incredible. You better toppings at, at Five Guys. Um, well, the last segment is things I like, things I hate, things I think are weird. We've talked a lot about all three of those <laughs> things. Do Does anyone have just let's just do final thoughts. Does anyone have any more final thoughts on this movie? My, my final thoughts are there is a good movie in here somewhere which i don't think you can say about every bad movie like there are there maybe the problem is that there are multiple like decent <laughs> ideas in this yeah and they just needed to pick one and be simple and focused and like go after it but i think all the actors are good uh there's some funny jokes in it it just makes zero sense on the whole this movie put me in a very bad mood today and i'll say that but i will say Give Joan Cusack more roles. Give Hillary Duff another chance because I think she's got... There's something there. Put Marissa Tomei in anything and give her a cigarette <laughs> and uh, I will watch yeah. that. 
I just watched Rizzo Tomei smoke a cigarette for two hours. So like, Rizzo Tomei, Spider Man's aunt. Yeah, that's right. That's the crazy thing about that is just Isn't like they Aunt were like May Sp- so Aunt May is supposed to be this like old, old woman, frail old woman, and they were just like, what movies. if Aunt May was fucking hot? Yeah, well, Aunt May's gonna be Jennifer school. Lawrence in the next Spider Man. <laughs> And Spider-Man's going to be like in elementary school. Yeah, and it's going to be one of those. Uh, Anime's real thick. Yeah. <laughs> is yeah. that your aunt? <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, but when when Spider-Man is Miles Morales, like Megan the Stallion is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> the thighs on Aunt May. <laughs> Auntie Megan, don't come in here. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah, I mean. I agree with uh, a lot of what you guys said. Uh, you know, Marissa Tomei, Hots. There is a good movie in there somewhere. But, you know. Someone I, should do an Austin Powers Iraq movie and do it right. Yes. And it could have been done. And now that we're out, Joey B, thank God, out, out of Afghanistan. Maybe that's, we could do it. Movie, maybe yeah. maybe post-COVID we could do it. Send yeah. them back with Mike Myers and get this thing done right. <laughs> Mike yeah. Myers, you've had enough time off. You've done enough Shreks. you got to get back in front who of the could, camera and make us it? laugh again. Who could do it in his place? Who's like a slapsticky guy now? All I think of is like it's like Andy Sandberg or something. <laughs> I, it would be. No, you, I, think, I don't think you're wrong there. It's an HBO short. Like, you know, he did a couple ones. Like he did the tennis one that was short. He did like the bike one that was short. It's like a half hour war documentary starring Andy Sandberg by the Lonely Island guys. Well, I think that's something. A lot of it's in black and white for some reason. It's like, I think that I think you have something there. I do think there's a, a movie where John Cusack is still in this, like pretty doing his deadpan, like John Cusack thing. But the rest of the world is so absurd mm-hmm. that the contrast creates the comedy, yeah. you know? Otherwise, because Austin Powers is a weird world and the other characters are weird, but there's still like real stakes in it. You know, like he is an absurd character and the rest of the world grounds him. Whereas this movie, the world is absurd. I don't know if we need like a slapstick lead necessarily. If the rest of the world slapsticking. All right. Well, that's two options for you, Hollywood. Get on it. Uh, You're gonna email this directly to Hollywood, right? Yeah, I good. have good, good, good. At Hollywood Slide at gmail.com. At Hollywood at gmail. <laughs> uh, Tim, where can we find you on the internet? Wow. Um, I have a podcast called Come At Me Show where I give life advice, questions from the internet. I answer them there. Uh, I got another podcast called Nerdy for 30 where I do kind of this but for nerdier stuff. Uh, We talked uh, 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 Power Rangers last week. We're going to be talking Marvel stuff as it comes out. Did some Fast and Furious last week. So that was cool. Uh, all kinds of fun stuff there with my buddy Kevin Bauer and then myself and my uh, my main man right here, my side piece, Pat Wise, uh, host a little little ditty called Political Therapy where we talk politics or Pat talks politics and I try and make jokes because I haven't been paying as nearly as close attention as he has. And uh, check both of those out, all three of those out if you can, if you love me, if you're a freak. As I always say when I'm on here, if you liked me, check them out. If you didn't, you're not going to enjoy them, so don't bother. Pat? You have anything more to plug besides? Tim's got it. I got. I'm at Pat Wise Live, all platforms. We got political therapy every week on Thursday. I am also been doing uh, every Monday on Twitch. My friend Graham and I are trying to find the worst video games on the planet, and we're ranking them. So last week we played the worst rated game on Steam. Spoiler: It was kind of fun. <laughs> so. We're gonna go. We're going through the list of trying to find the worst games and play them all and see which one is actually the worst. 
So yeah. All right. Check that, that out. Sounds... That's twitch.tv slash Patwise Live. So um, well, I am Matt Strickland. This was Pod Cusack. If you listen this far, you, you know you know what to do. Like, like, subscribe, rate, whatever. Give money to Palestine. But actually, you could also follow the Pod Cusack TikTok. We got a specific TikTok feed for, just for Pod Cusack. So Whoa. if you're on TikTok, wow. Zoomers, check out the Pod Cusack <laughs> feed, <laughs> baby. You can also follow our parent company, Mess Around Media Whoa. or Mess Around Pods on a lot Instagram. Of plugs on this one, huh, guys? Yeah, well, More whatever. I figured they're turning it off after the you know the pod ends. <laughs> if, like, they, if they get here, then like if you get here, we'll tell you some secrets. I almost didn't finish this movie. I will say that I almost turned this movie off, but I didn't for you guys. At some point, I advised you to because you were looking so bad. <laughs> you well, were looking real uh, rough watching this. Thank you both for your time. And thank you, John, for everything you do. As you know, this is all for you. We love you. We miss you. R.I.P. Stay R. safe. It's Pacusac, baby. It's Pacusac, baby.